Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's George Cooper and welcome to the show. As the curtain falls on another incredible season at Craven Cottage, the result of the match felt secondary on Saturday. We applauded Marco's men as they completed their lap of honour, having exceeded all expectations this season. Our top half finish crystallised, most goals in any Premier League campaign, most wins, most away wins. Yesterday's Craven Cottage send-off showed just how proud the fan base are of this very special team and left us wondering what is possible for next season. The match itself was an entertaining Desmond that left Roy's record intact for now. Mitro's goal tally replenished and a certain sideline striker in Hounslow wishing he'd backed both teams to score in both halves. Coming up on the podcast, we've got analysis of all the action, a look back at some of our highlights from Craven Cottage this season, and then we'll answer some of your questions to wrap things up. I have a stellar panel in front of me. Hello, Mr. Dan Cook. How are you doing? Hello, Coops. I'm doing well, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Just great day yesterday. I didn't. Yeah, I just did not care what the result was, which is so quite a weird feeling going into a game. The sun was shining. We just, like, I just want to see all gas, no breaks. Let's see some goals. Let's have a good time. Um, AF, great to see you again, mate. It's been a while. Thanks, mate. Yeah, glad to be on again. And Don Betts, what's happening? Not much, mate. Not much. Looking forward to the big end to the season for Old Trafford round two next weekend. Here we go, here we go. Uh, let's kick things off with some three-word reviews. Dan, uh, not Dan, sorry, AF, I believe you've got them. Would you do the honours, please? I do. So kicking off with um, can't afford a seat at FFC Riverside, um, Roy swaps ends. And I'm actually going to throw my own three-word review in there, which is lost the toss. And I knew from that point onwards, as soon as we lost the toss, that Roy is one of the only managers that just knows exactly how to shithouse Fulham. As soon as we <laughs> lost that toss and we were swapping ends, I knew that this wasn't going to be a Fulham win. Um, we've got Brian Lake with got out Royd. Um, Luke Holloway with never beaten Roy. John Brooker with top 10 crystallised, which I thought was just perfect. And then Zachary Gobst. It feels bad saying this because, you know, it feels like I'm taking a piss out of my third granddad. But Roy knows comebacks. <laughs> nice, nice. Dan, just quickly, on the on the whole swapping after losing the toss, like it does just instantly get under everyone's skin. And do you think it's calculated? Does Roy do that all the time? Do we know? Is that something that a, a tactic that he'll throw out? Or does he just know that it just rubs Fulham fans up the wrong way? So no, it's, it's just really annoying though. Because I, I guess for you in the Putney, it's a oh, bit for like me, it's a perfect. Novel, it's, yeah, it's a novel change. But like I know, I, Dom, I'm sure you feel the same about it. But like for the f- final time kicking towards the Hammersmith end this season, happening in the first half was just a bit rubbish. Like, just, I just, like, I just, I just, really I just don't like it in general. Yeah. Of 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 my team shooting towards wherever I am in the first half. Depend whether I'm in the way and or the home end, it just pisses me off. Because one, it just looks shit on TV. Because you know you want the predominant home fans or away fans behind the goal or teams 
could score in like a, a last minute just for, you know, the limbs live on TV anyway. But then I just, I don't know, it just, it, it just feels <laughs> wrong. Like it just doesn't, it is, there's something wrong about not shooting towards you. I know there's obviously full of fans in the putting end, but I mean, it just feels wrong not shooting towards Hammersmith end in the second half. And I can't remember really that many like big games or good games where, where we shot towards the Hammersmith end in the first half and it's actually worked for us. I know we're not the ones who are obviously going to make that decision, but every time, especially in the Premier League, I can't really see it going to work. So I, I, I have a feeling Hodson knew what he was doing, but I'll probably get onto this later. I was kind of happy we didn't get the records point total yesterday because I didn't want to do it over Roy Hodson. Mm. Like, I, if we were going to, I wouldn't mind getting a point yesterday, which pretty much consolidates top 10. And then if we nab something at United next week to get the records point total, that made me even happier. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something quite nice and poetic if we'd have beaten Roy's record. I think he's an absolute gent and would have, you know, said words to that effect in the in the post match interviews. And congratulations, everyone, for a fantastic season. And um, yeah, I, I think it would have been quite nice to have to have broken the record yesterday. I was holding out for it because it's going to be a hell of a lot harder next time around. Dan, do you agree with me? Yeah, I I agree. And I had like, it was quite nice. It was, you know, such a, like a jolly day, as you say, Coops. Like it was just like, everyone was out having a good time. And then I was leaving, leaving the ground and I had this sudden like wave of like emotion that came over me. And I felt, you know, I, I shed a tear yesterday, Coops. I was just walking out through, I was walking through Bishop's Park, watching everyone sort of walking over, you know, over across Putney Bridge. And you just like, it was such a lovely moment. Like this season has been so special and, you know, maybe we won't have it quite as good next year, but to really just revel in it was lovely yesterday. Yeah, it was a day that was full of like hope and optimism, like the, the, not just the weather, you know, was, summer's coming, everyone's relaxed to thinking, oh, we've got another season of Premier League football. It, AF had a bit of a kind of like testimonial feel to it a little bit. Did you did you feel that as well? Yeah, it had, it had every feel of a testimonial apart from Shane Duffy coming on, really. <laughs> but, like, I think if we're going into the testimonial feel, it did at the start of the game because we're like, yeah, this is just great. I don't really mind what happens. And then it's just classic full a minute. You go 2-1 up. And then the whole testimonials ruined. We're like, we can do this. We can get the records points total. It's all going to happen. And then he went back into testimonial when uh, Ward decides to ruin it on 83 minutes. But I think it was interesting if it was going to be testimonial, Phil, like I would have liked to have seen maybe instead of Solomon, like someone like Cabano come on and let's get to say potentially, you know, I'm, I'm speculating here, we'll come on to it, but speculating that could be the last time we see him. And that was walking around the pitch rather than actually on the pitch. And no Shane Duffy coming on. I, I think he's not done it for the fans there, has he? <laughs> I wanted uh, all gas, no breaks, really. And we, we kind of got it. You know, it was an entertaining game. You know, for the neutral, I imagine it was quite good. And I think everyone had a bit of a spring in their step, Dom, when we saw the team sheet and saw that a certain number nine was back in the fold. I have surely the right decision from Marco there. Yeah, I think uh, in in our, in one of my Fulham WhatsApp group chats, I think it's the only poll that's only ever had everyone clicking the same answer. Hundred percent. Because you yeah, usually it's like, oh, there's, there's a few different options and people choosing different things, but everyone in our in our group chat just picked Mitrovic, um, and I think it made sense. You know, when he came on against Southampton last week, he's probably looked fitter than he ever has done since coming back from the World Cup with Serbia. I mean, you can argue in between January and what March didn't look fit really at all. I mean, you know, I think the goal at Old Trafford in the cut was actually what his first game since that Leicester game in January. But, you know, that does mean technically he's got, what, four goals in three games now, <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you include the Man United Cup game. But yeah, and I think everyone wanted to see Mitrovic back, especially the last home game in the season. 
Although when it when I did see him stacking up for a penalty, I was like, mm, is this <laughs> it's him on penalties? But it's probably one of the best penalties he's actually taken for us. It go it wasn't quite in the top corner, but it was near enough there. And I think yeah, yeah he he had to start yesterday. It's not like he didn't look match fit last week. Vinicius has done better than I think everyone expected during the time off. I don't actually think many of our results would have been much different. If Mitrich was fit in those, you could maybe look at the Villa game or the Liverpool game, but to be honest, I think the rest of the results pretty much as expected. Um, so yeah, it was, it's good to see him back for these last few games. Obviously, he's going to have a couple of games with Serbia in June, um, and then hopefully he's 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 next season he's ready and roaring to go to go again and really sort of because I think he's proved people wrong this season with was it fourteen goals in like twenty four games or something. Um, so next season, I think it's just continuing that and really show, really showing what he can do. Um, and if we can, if we make the right signings and continue to build a system around him again, there's no reason that won't happen. But yeah, I think there was no one who was wasn't delighted seeing him back in the starting eleven after him coming off the bench last week. Yeah, he when he went up to take that penalty, his record was scored three, missed three, so literally fifty fifty from the spot. Um, it was it was great, but he hit it hard, which is all you kind of want from him, isn't it? But it wasn't quite 100% top corner if he hadn't hit it quite so hard I think it would have been a, a very very soft penalty but yeah and he, Danny, he, he spent the last he spent like he said he spent the last like six weeks practicing penalties which it, it genuinely looked as though he had done as well the only interest I had from my side was I was like oh, I thought he was going to miss it but the goalkeeper still guessed the right way and we've discussed this before that he must have some kind of easy easy kind of giveaway that shows exactly what side he's going to because goalkeeper still goes the right way again but he's just for once hit it hard enough and high enough that the goalkeeper's not going to get to it but it did look like he'd actually put some practice in so I'm glad he put his, his bound to good use yeah it's nice to see that um, spot clear has cleared up as well it seems uh, following the interview with Sky Sports <laughs> which, <laughs> which if you haven't seen I feel kind of bad bringing it up but it's just so funny so before the game, Mitro did an interview with Sky Sports talking about the the Manchester United meltdown, and um, you know, effectively, um, it was quite, it was kind of like an apology. It's very earnest, great great interview in which he you know he says you know the fans are better. I'm working hard to um, to try and repay them for their loyal support, but he he had what can only be described as. Mount Vesuvius in between his eyes. It was the biggest <laughs> sit I've ever seen in my life. Ha- either he has got the self-restraint of a 18th century Benedictine monk, or like, I don't know how he hasn't cracked that open. Also, like so, I'm sorry, but someone from Sky Sports has got to give him a bit of concealer there. No? Do you, do you think? Oh, the comments been done, were he's been done dirty. Well, they, 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 tried, they tried to airbrush him. I don't think they made it look any better. It made, if anything, it just made it look like he got a massive bruise on his, on his, in between his two eyebrows. Because when, when I first saw it, I thought it was like, I don't know, has he got like a massive piercing? Like, one of those like, massive bead piercings in between his two eyebrows. But no, it was just a, a massive fucking spot. <laughs> yes, um, the comments. The comments section was amazing as well. People were saying like, "Oh, Mitro is such a uh, such a fantastic striker, providing goals and assist <laughs> stuff like that." <laughs> anyway, we'll move on. We'll move on. Um, I thought uh, Crystal Palace, as you can expect from them and uh, a Roy Hodgson team, looked very dangerous on the counter attack, and they really provided. Um, our defence with some problems. I thought Eze troubled throughout and you just know that once they get you on that break, they're, um, you know, they'll, they'll work with um, decisive speed. I mean, for the goal, uh, AF, I mean, is there, is there much that we can do about that? It seemed like a good finish. I wonder whether, when I, because it was shooting the Putney end when the goal went in, I thought, oh, Ben Leno, has he just been beaten by his um, near post? But I mean, he hits it so hard. I just think it's a beautiful ball through for Eze and Eduard just smashes it home. 
I think potentially we can't do much about the finish at the end of it, but I think we can do a little bit about Eze running pretty much from his own half right the way through uh, our right-hand side. It was it was interesting because Kenny Tessa had gone forward and Robinson was out of position, kind of trying to cover for him in, in the right-back position. He was not really covering either. I don't think you really can cover Eze. I think he's one of those players that he's wherever you try and defend, He's going, to, he's going to go round you at some point in time, so you might as well just let that happen. But I think that it it was a bit reminiscent of some of the goals that we've conceded in the last couple of years where we've just seen players just waltz through our midfield. And we haven't seen that so much with Paulinho involved. But this was just one of those where there just seemed to be a huge gap for him to run through. And after um, Edwards made the perfect run, really, he's picked him out. And then I don't think Leno can do anything about the finish. I was surprised at how well he's hit it. I was kind of expecting him to hit it low, and I think Leno was as well. Um, but as, as soon as that's gone in, and I've watched it back, realistically, it's a good goal, and I think Crystal Palace will score plenty of those again next year if he, if he manages to keep that front three, th- front th- four together. Yeah, I mean, Coops, just, just on, yeah, on Palace, I think, you know, when we played them, what was it? It was Boxing Day, wasn't it? And you probably best describe them as pigeons as opposed to eagles in that game. Like they were, they were dire. And then just Roy and his gang got back together and they're just a completely different beast now. Like they're, they're just, they are just such a better team. And I think one of the things that Roy probably deserves credit for, and we don't want this to be just a massive Roy loving, but he's actually allowed the creative players of Eze, Elise to thrive. And, and this is one of the things that Palace fans are saying is that Vieira just never sort of unshackled Eze and never let him just go out and play. And Roy seems to have given him a free role and he was so good yesterday. I thought he was exceptional and we really well, I think there were sort of him. warning signs before the goal there was that sort of chance where Diop kind of completely miscued clearing the ball and everyone was like what on earth is going on in the back line but again that again came from a I don't, I don't know if it was direct from one of our corners but it was definitely a counter-attack and so there were warning signs and then yeah it is a great finish from Edward I think AS right I think Leno was expecting him to go low maybe far post and um yeah he, so he's trying to cover there but as I said Edward just smacks it in near post up corner and that was quite disappointing because I think we were the only team at, uh, in that sort of first period of the game we're looking like the team are going to score but obviously they what would Palace do or Palace do as Dan said what Hodgson has I mean Elise was doing it under Paggio Vieira but since since Roy Hodgson's come in uh, Elise I think Elise has got one of the most assists in the league I think he's got double digits when it comes to assists in the Premier League I know and we we did see that in different stages but Eze uh, he's sort of given, given this free role which is allowing him to drive through the uh, teams and we've seen that him damage other teams the game that comes to mind really for me is that Leeds game at Ellen Road but yeah, I think I think you know it was it was disappointing to sort of because we haven't conceded many goals like that this season. But um, I think as as we, as we get as we'll get onto the penalty, I think it was vital that we definitely got ourselves back into the game uh, before the halftime whistle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what a great job Roy's done there. They were looking to be deep into that relegation scrap, but he's steer them to safety and there's talk about him getting another year on his deal which like I mean, be about 80 years old managing the Prem by the time he I actually think that like Crystal Palace there was um my friend who's Crystal Palace fan was saying saying there were like jokes in the forum that they should offer Roy Hodgson a contract until death <laughs> until he goes it's like so just continue to manage Crystal Palace until he just kills over on the sideline I, I learned something quite um fun so you know Roy and Ray they're like their best mates outside of football they, supposedly they go just go on holiday together for like a little jolly down to like Alicante or somewhere and they were on holiday when they got the phone up to um 
to see whether they wanted to go to Crystal Palace. But I just think that's such a lovely image of them sort of like sat, both sat on a sun lounger having a um, having a tequila sunrise and then just getting a, a phone call <laughs> through like, oh, do you fancy it then, right? And then just going for it. Sort do you of fancy like, coming back for one more last last chance? <laughs> yeah. I think, but you can imagine though, they'll both be sitting in an old people's home about 90 years old and just going, should we do it one more time? <laughs> Yeah, come on. We still got it. It's imagining like Roy sort of like rubbing Factor 50 into Ray's shoulders, sort of like. <laughs> anyway, let's go, come on to the uh, our penalty. It's a very clever ball through from Mitre to Harry Wilson, who takes it down. It's just a great, great bit of skill there to win win the penalty. Um, I think, you know, no question, obviously a pen and... Yeah, that, that, that was about it. Really, it's not, not really much more to say, is it? Well, I mean, I, was, I saw some I saw some Palace fans moaning that it wasn't a penalty. I was like, well, in what world no, is it? Really? Surely not. Wilson, yeah, Wilson. Well, obviously, Wilson cuts inside off Tyree Mitchell, and Tyree Mitchell literally just pulls him down to the floor. I mean, I don't, I don't know if we really thought he went down easily or, or what. But yeah, I saw some Palace fans on social media sort of trying to make out it wasn't a penalty. But yeah, I think the touch from Wilson just completely... I mean, I thought Tyree Mitchell had an awful game yesterday, I'm being perfectly honest. And I'm looking at him like, well, how did you get in the England squad? But um, no, yeah, it's a stonewall penalty. And uh, and it was the further time for us to make sure we got that goal before going into the halftime break. And yeah, even though, as we mentioned earlier, when Mitchell did step up, I was like, I'm not. I know he's on a very high confidence level after his goal last week, but it's still Mitrich on penalties and Fulham on penalties. So I'm still not 100 confident he's going to bear it. But then he ended up putting it pretty much bang into the top corner. As I said earlier, one of his best penalties he's probably taken for the club. Yeah, that bit of skill from um, Wilson. Dan, the sort of Harry Wilson of old, really, wasn't it? It was like last season. He's he's winning a lot of free kicks, winning a lot of penalties with that sort of. He's, he's looking really sharp at the minute. Yeah, he looks good. He, do, he does look good. And, and I think you mentioned it. It's a lovely ball from Mitra, but I think it's, yeah, it's so clever from Wilson just there. I think probably Mitch was expecting him to sort of chest that down going towards goal, sort of continuing going away from goal and to sort of twist his body to chest it back inside is so smart. And it leads to, I think Mitchell slips sort of, and that's what causes the penalty, but it's because he's completely thrown by that little bit of, of genius from Harry Wilson. And it's, it's really nice to see him back in, Informed because I was worried that we would just never see the Harry Wilson of last season. I've met like with the injury and something, it's just not coming back. But he seems to be fit and raring now. And and I think next season we could see it if we get a full season at Harry Wilson. I think that's huge because there were times where we have missed him on that right hand side of midfield. Yeah, I mean, I've got a real winger conundrum at the moment, and I thought it was interesting that Solomon came on at the at the end because, as as you sort of referred to earlier, AF, it would have been nice to have seen um, maybe a Cabana or someone. But I just I can't get my head around this strange situation that we've got ourselves in with Solomon. Like, it doesn't doesn't seem to be like any indication that we're going to be seeing him next year. I've not heard anything at all that like it, he's coming. Have you? No, I haven't heard it necessarily. I said it on the last pod I was on that I'm not really sure what his motives are behind kind of his, his appearances at Fulham because if he's absolutely, you know, hitting it 100% in training and Marco probably starts him because we know that he probably on his day could be one of our best wingers. But there's since that's not happening, it, it makes me think that Marco's seen something or had some conversations with him that makes him think he's not going to be here next season. Now, if you think he's not going to be here next season, you, you don't bring him on. So I'm really in a, a 50-50 situation here. If when he comes on, he doesn't really look like the player he was for those five games 
where he was scoring every game. But since since he does come on as well, I was looking. He did a bit more tracking back yesterday. But as soon as he got to the ball, it still feels to me like the first thing in his mind is cool. Let's get on the YouTube highlights reel. I might be too, be doing too harsh for saying that, but it feels as though he's trying to look impressive rather than be impressive. Um, I personally would have loved to see Cabano, but I'm massively biased in that respect. I think looking at the winger situation next season is such an interesting one with Willian Cabano, uh, Dan James, sort of, and Manuel Solomon all not being in contract with us for next season that we actually have to try and work out who we're going to keep or what we're going to do to replace them. Yeah. Uh, Don, what do you reckon? Yeah, I totally agree. I think the winger situation is is really interesting because we've seen different combinations this season through injury and through suspensions or whatever. But I said, I think people would, you, you would settle on right now, but it's Harry Wilson and Willian as our strongest two wide men. Wilson, obviously, the one who you, you can probably only be certain is going to be here next year. <laughs> I'd, I'd say, because although I think William you'd imagine, Will, you know, I, I, I do agree. I do think William, because even when he played for Chelsea, he lived two minute walk from Craven Cottage. He lived on one of the alphabet routes when he, when he, when he, when he, when he played for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So I'm, and I think that's one of the, that was one of the big factors in getting him back. It was not just back to London, but back to the air he knows and he's comfortable in it's where his family like. Um, so I, I, can't, I can't see any reason why William wouldn't, wouldn't renew. I mean, as, as someone said on Twitter, I think that video, that picture of him and Vinicius with Lucas Moura becoming the, was it, the Copacabana care home, I think someone called it. <laughs> um, I mean, as then, with, with Lucas Moura out of contract, if we ended up signing him, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, it's, it's, it seems like a signing we'd make, and if we can do the same thing we've done with him as we've done with William, then, then great. But yeah, I think it is an interesting situation. With Manor Solomon, it's an interesting one, because obviously when he first sort of, came back from his injury, he, he just kept scoring goals, the same goal, apart from his one at Brighton. Um, and he gave us one of our moments of the season with that. But since the Brighton game, I've not really seen anything from him. And it depends how much, like, I think at the time when he was scoring those goals, there would have been other teams, like other, you know, top six or, te- or teams in on the continent in European competition next season, looking at him now, because he's not really been starting are there other, are gonna gonna be other teams looking at him? That's that's interesting. I mean, if it was between him and Cabano, I'd and you can only choose one of them. I would probably just renew Cabano's just because what just loyalty to Cabano and what what he's given us. Unless there's you know big interest from a team where he wants to go to, maybe he wants to go back to France or wherever, and there's big interest there. But if there's no big interest in him, I'd like to see Cabano sit at the club. I think not just what I think he can what he what he's shown on the pitch before he got his injury this season was great. And also I think what he adds to the dressing room, I don't know necessarily I'm not saying Solomon has zero to the dressing room, but I think Nisian Scabano is clearly loved by nearly all his teammates. So I think you can't underestimate how big that could be. But in an ideal world we could we could renew Willian Cabano and Solomon, but I just I just don't see him think him doing that. I mean I know with with Dan James going there maybe they will, but yeah, I think for me, the main one is just to tie, make sure we tie down Willian for an, at least another season. Yeah, interesting summer coming up, that's for sure. Uh, let's just come on to Mitro's second goal. Speaking of Willian, what a ball in from the right-hand side in. How has nobody picked Mitro up? So I, look, I, looked, I, look, I looked at this and I think it's great. It's, I think I want to I say Tosin and Palina do exceptionally well at this corner. To sort of, obviously, what, I think what actually helps us in these sort of set-piece scenarios is the size of our team. Like we've got a lot of six foot plus players. So the, the centre-backs and the defenders who are back are going to be looking at this. And then Mitra sort of just makes sort of, sort of ducked behind two, two taller players. I think it's, I think it's Tossin and, and um, Pellini. It might be, it might be a deal, but he sort of just meanders over while they're sort of occupying 
the the centre halves, and he has an easy free header at the near post, and it's still an emphatic header. But yeah, I think it's definitely something that Marcus Silva would have worked on in training uh, in the, in the weeks building up to this game. I have a feeling that it's. I think I have a feeling it's Issa Diop. He he just holds. He, he genuinely just stands there and holds two Palace players. I think it's Joachim Anderson and I don't know who the other Palace player is. He just roots them to the spot, whilst Mitrovic just runs around the side. And just as you see the ball <laughs> coming in, one of the Palace defenders points at Mitrovic and is like, "Like, make sure you track him." And then it's just Diop just stands in front of them and goes like, "No, <laughs> just just you're going nowhere." <laughs> and then it just means that yeah. Mitrovic's got a free run at it. And I also love the aggression that Mitro lobs his fat head at that ball. Like he <laughs> throws himself at it. It's like that, you know, that one when it's the, there's like a bloke on a night out who goes and like headbutts uh, advertising hoarding and everyone always brings it up for Harry Maguire from set pieces. That's what Mitro did. He is just Other lobbed that, himself at it. He was just trying to break the zit it. on his head. And he thought, if, if I hit this ball hard enough with my head, we are not going to be in the same situation seeing those YouTube comments. I also saw Kenny Tesse had his arm around someone's head. It literally looked like the start of the season when everyone's like, oh, Fulham and their blocking tactics someone's going to work them out by the end of the season. Fast forward to the end of the season, we're there just doing the same blocking tactics, but better. And Mitch Rich is there, absolutely, as you say, walloping it into the net. I, I just, it's a sight to behold. I want to see more of that next season. Can we, can we just commission the statue now? I don't, I don't see why we're like waiting around. Like it's going to, it's going to happen. Absolute fucking. No, nah, you can't, you can't get a statue until you've left the club. I'm afraid. I think it's just, just rules. Killjoy. Um, on the other end, you know, denying us our uh, our win was Joel Ward of all people. First goal in over four years. I mean, pfft, it was just one of those scrappy goal. I think it came off uh, Robinson. No, it's not one of those. It? So it's, it's, it's what on earth is Anthony Robinson doing? <laughs> it came off. We didn't know much about it. He played obviously played him on side, but you think he's yeah, to blame like... for this, Dom? Yes, because I think it's it's shown. I've, I don't know how how many seasons I've got to say we need a new left back. Like how many? But how many seasons do I need? To, do I need to say this? I think Robinson has been better than I was expecting. He was, expecting good. He was good yesterday, Dom. He was good yesterday. Nah, it's his fault for the goal, though. So I'm in Dom's camp on this one. I've, we, me and Dom had an argument about a year ago, saying we didn't need this. That's like saying old Trent's got two assists, but both goals are his fault. You're your fullback. Yeah, also, jo- Joel Ward scored yesterday, but I also thought he was the worst player on the pitch. He just repeatedly got win- rinsed by Willian all game. Yeah, no, he did. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying he wasn't their worst player, but. I, I I think Robinson has to be doing better either with his defensive line or making sure he clears the ball here. I think I just think you've got to be doing better. Like it's it's Trent Alexander Arnold esque defending. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought he play, I thought Robinson had a good game. I thought he's been fantastic all season. To be honest, Tom, I like. I know you've got a bit of an agenda against him, but I thought he he's, he's been one of our standout. I it's against him. I just think it's against Fulham left backs in general. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I've been happy with our Fulham left back since Paul Konchesky. He left I, in I, 2010. To be fair, to be fair, to, <laughs> getting ahead of the transfer chat with Kieran Tierney going to Newcastle, Matty Target is available. Yeah, the, the I, Newcastle I, fans don't rate him at all either. I, I, I think if you if if we've got Target and Robinson, I think that's a good pair. I I hope he goes there just for the fact I can't I can't be seeing Dan Byrne playing left back in Champions League. That 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 can't be allowed to happen. Well, I just I think that if you've got that as a combo, if you've got the option between Robinson and Target, that's that's very steady. Like that's a really good set of options. Um, mm. And I, I imagine we're exploring it because Matty Target would have been a, a Tony Khan pick um, mm. in that 2018 season. So 
I, I, I imagine we're already on that case because I think it would be a smart signing. And I don't think Newcastle have much to stand on in the way of pressuring for a lot of money for him because he's not been playing. They're signing another left back. They're just going to need to get rid yeah. of him somehow. Yeah, interesting, interesting. But also, we, we don't really necessarily have any sort of squad depth in that because what Gazzara will be going back to PSG. So it's definitely going to be positioning any sign at least one player in anyway. Um, so yeah, I don't see any reason why Matt Target's a perfectly good shout. I mean, I don't like. Obviously, everyone was thinking about Grimaldo. I was like, mate, there was no chance Grimaldo was ever coming. <laughs> I don't think to it. I think if we finished in the Conference League place, and I think potentially, um, which unfortunately was completely killed in the water yesterday with not picking up three points and Liverpool not being Aston Villa, which was devastating after Brentford actually doing us a favour against Tottenham in the early kickoff, but. Yeah, I think, yeah, left-back's definitely so. I just think Robinson, I'm not saying he's, he makes an absolute rick, but I still think he, sh- he should be doing better in the situation that, that came from the second goal yesterday. Mm. Yeah, anyway, when the goal went in, I, like, I don't know <laughs> I just couldn't care less. I was like, oh, it's gone in. Anyway, to the pub. It was a great day yesterday. It was good, good fun. And we'll come on to um, the send-off in the next section. But uh, just quickly before we uh, wrap up, Dom, are you happy to see uh, Man City crowned uh, champions again at the yes. expense, <laughs> expense of yes. Arsenal? Yes. Like, I mean, you can't be from London and want Arsenal to win the league. There's, there's like, there's something wrong with you. Did you either <laughs> didn't know any Arsenal fans growing up or don't know any Arsenal fans now? I don't know any That's Man City fans. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Also, I'm not having this from Arsenal fans, but they didn't bottle the league. They got like nine, they got like nine points from possible 24. They dropped points Southampton at home. West Ham away after being 2-0 up and Nottingham Forest away. Um, like, if Tottenham did this or Chelsea did this, they'll be calling it a bottle job. But, you yeah, know, I'm delighted Man City have won the league. It's just, I would have, I, I think what I'm going to enjoy most is if Chelsea have to give him a guard of honour. I think that'll be that. And then get, and then get spanked like 3-0. I think that, 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 that'd be perfect. And, and if they do do that result on on this sun, on Sunday afternoon, then uh, that guarantees us hundred percent that uh, that top ten finish and to finish above Chelsea. So, what one wonderful to see. It's just a bit. It's just a bit of a shame he hasn't gone to the last day, really, because you know it was looking like you know six or come, not even six. I'd say coming out of the March international break, that everything was going to go down to the wire. You had the, you had the title race going down to the wire. Arsenal ahead at that point. You had the top four race. You had about twenty five teams in the relegation race. Um, but yeah, it's it's sort of it's peered out slightly. But you know, I'm delighted Man, Man City have won the title and fully deserved. I mean, three was it three in a row, five and six years, and that in the, I think since the March international break, they haven't they've won every single league game. The only games they've drawn have been the uh, the away legs in the Champions League. Mm. It's like the best thing to come out of this is any of you follow the meme account Peep Show Footy memes. And there's the the scene in Peep Show where Mark Corrigan uh, reluctantly throws a party and uh, as a quote where he goes, I'm having a great time. And he goes, well, I'm not actually, but it's like I am. But it's just Arsenal like, I'm having a great season. Well, I'm not actually, but it's like I am. And uh, it's just really, really cracked me up. Anyway, we'll leave it at that for now. Uh, don't go anywhere because in part two, we'll answer some of your questions. Hello, it's Sammy here. Now, if you're looking for a VPN to watch football matches and TV shows which aren't available in your region, or maybe you're looking to save money by purchasing subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price, then we've got an amazing deal with NordVPN where you can get a massively discounted rate plus four free months by heading to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish. Now, I genuinely use NordVPN loads. Uh, For instance, back in October, I was in America for the Aston Villa game, which was on Amazon Prime. Now, I have a subscription to Amazon Prime, but obviously I was in the States, so I simply logged on to NordVPN, 
switched my country back to the UK and I was able to watch the lads leave Steven Gerrard's managerial career in tatters. A subscription to NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month and you can use one account on up to six devices. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months all for free. Best of all, it's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. You can find all the details at Nord vpn.com slash Fulhamish. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome back to the Fulhamish Podcast. I'm Josh Cooper. I'm joined by Dan Cook, Don Betts and AF. Got some of your questions now. We'll kick things off on a positive note from our very own George Rossiter. I'm going to throw this out to everyone, but I'll start with you, AF. Uh, what's everyone's favourite memory from games at Craven Cottage this season? I'll probably go for me. Favourite memory... There's, there's been a lot, and this this sounds like a weird one to put uh, put in there, but it's got to be the last minute win it, winner against Brentford. Um, it, it was important to the end of our season, but it was also probably the only good moment that we saw from Kevin and Barbu. So you have to cherish those moments. You have to hold them close because they don't last for very long. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I don't think that's a, um, unusual call at all. AF, I think a lot of people would uh, would agree with you there. Uh, Dan, what do you reckon? Yeah, I, I think that for me that is. That was mine, but I, I guess to throw something else in there, that first game of the season, Liverpool at home, was yeah. the atmosphere was wonderful, and the fact that we came out of that game with so much credit straight away, and actually we looked at us on the pitch. It was the first time we saw Polina, and everyone was like, "Holy shit, we've got a player!" And also, we just looked like a Premier League team, and suddenly it felt different. And I think the optimism coming out of that game was it sort of carried through the rest of the season. It was such an, I think it was important to start the season like that. And I think it got brought up a match of the day last night. I think Jermaine Genus mentioned it, how he was there for that first game of the season. And he was like, hang on, I think this Fulham team could be better than, than anyone's expecting. And so that, that was quite a special day, I think, to be back in the Prem and to feel like we're going to make a real good go of this. And we have. So that, that was a lovely day. Mm, no, agreed, agreed. Uh, Dom? Carlos Vinicius with his um, mm. winner against Chelsea. It was so weird because it, like, I don't know if anyone else felt going into that Chelsea game. I was kind of expecting to win. Yeah, I had a bet, like, I had a bet even, on Fulham it, to win that game. I just knew even though, it's, even though obviously it's Chelsea, even though it's obviously it's Chelsea. And as soon as Jao uh, Felix got that red card, I was like, we're going to win this game. And it was quite, because, and then the fact it was Vinicius who, like, I don't know if he'd scored at that point yet, but it, it just, a bit, the fact that it was, that was his first goal. 
um, was was just absolutely absolutely delightful. Obviously, there was the Brentford one. I think the Brentford one. I think the moment for Vinicius for me was better. But I think in regard to what the Brentford win did for the season, and we just kicked on from there and never really looked back. I think was big. As 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 Dan mentioned, the Liverpool game, uh, Mitch Fitch bullying Trent Alexander Arnold and Van Dijk all game long. Um, I think we started Liverpool's downfall. Is what's happened. We're the reason <laughs> they're going to end up finishing fifth this season. Um, and even, I think even, you know, there's there's obviously other games you can mention. Even the Brighton game early on, I think that was on the August bank holiday um, on the on the Monday or Tuesday night. And, you know, that was another, that was a, was that, I want to say that was the first home win in the season, maybe. Um, if, if not, if not, it was one of the, one of the first ones. And yeah, I think, and so there's just so many different moments this season where, you know, it's just, there's been so many happy moments at Craven Cottage this season. And I think one thing when it comes to pundits, you know, with Marcus Silva being nominated for manager of the season, I've been saying it quite a lot. I think the reason why people are kind of saying O'Neill or Cooper, why are they not nominated? I think people forget about us actually being promoted this season sometimes because we've been in the top half near enough the whole season, pretty much. Um, I think people have forgotten where actually we came from last season. And how a lot, a lot of, a lot of pundits preseason were saying, "Oh, Fulham will just go back down." That then nothing's really changed this season. But I said we've completely proven all the pun- all the pundits who said that preseason wrong. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's one thing that sort of we've actually got. Our, not pundits do as well. But we've actually got to realise sort of where we've come from and what's happened this season. I understand, you know, next season could be completely different. I think a lot of Fulham fans would probably would still take 15th place and staying up because. You know that's that. Even though it's sort of five places lower than we did finish this season, it's still another season of Premier League football. But yeah, I think for me, probably the Vinicius goal, just for just for beating Chelsea, it was just a shame. Another game where we got switched ends and the winner ended up coming at Putney end. But I'm sure that pleased you, George, <laughs> yeah. seeing the Carlos Vinicius winner at your end. But yeah, I think just for beating Chelsea. Um, I know it was our first home win over Brentford in Donkeys, but for me, that, that win over Chelsea always mean the most. I don't want. Can I add one other coop? Yeah, of course. Um, is and it's a weird one. But I really enjoyed Forest at home for the pure reason that I turned up that day and I said to my dad before the game started, I said, "If we if we really are serious about being a, a mid to top table Premier League side, matches at home against teams like Forest, we just turn up and we win two three nil, and yeah. it's not a game." I think that and the Southampton game were big. And it's just like, actually, you see the difference between us and the teams that are eight to 10 places below us. And you're like, wow, we are actually this good. Like, we deserve to be here because we are just that much better than the teams below us. Yeah, no, I agree. I think my moment, personally, I'm, I'm with Dom, the Vinicius winner against Chelsea. I felt like I'd waited all my life for that moment. Genuinely, like, overcome. And it was in front of the party end. Genuinely just overcome with emotion. I was, I would have been like seven or eight when we beat them last time at Craven Cottage I just I felt like it's just it'd been like a thing that had been missing from my career supporting Fulham for so long and just that just relief oh it was great it was incredible but yeah I mean as you just touching what you said Dom I think that people yeah they just forget that we're a newly promoted team we're like part of the furniture part of the mid-table furniture people just like like Villa or someone they're just like oh yeah you know Fulham are going to be good they're going to be solid and the speed in which we've made that transition is nothing short of a miracle to be quite honest um but yeah so we've got another question here from rick cardis where would and we've kind of like we kind of answered this a lot of uh 
a lot of times on the questions in one one way or another. But we'll just we'll just touch on it very quickly. I'm gonna throw this to you, AF. Uh, where would we be without Mitro's moment of madness in Manchester? Would we have made the cup final? Would we be in Europe? What do you reckon? It's impossible to say, isn't it? We, we, we can talk about where Fulham would be and where he would be as well, personally, because if, if he's he's the ninth top Premier League goal scorer at this point in time with 14, you know, if, if he has no suspension, he probably scores, I'm guessing, about five or six during that time, bringing him to around 20. You know, he would be the best of the rest in those strikers. So where he would be personally would be seriously different to where he is now. I don't think the results, though, during that time would have been drastically different. Dan touched on it earlier, but I really think that we probably have ended up in around the same places. I think Mitrovic can influence games for sure, but he can't absolutely win them on his own. It's not like you get a moment from absolutely nowhere with him. The whole team probably has to provide him with that chance to be able to do it. So I still think that when we weren't at it, Mitrovic wouldn't have been at it in some of those games, like against Villa. I don't think really Mitrovic would have changed that result fundamentally. So I personally don't think we would have been saying, oh, if we had Mitrovic in the team, we'd be looking at Europa Conference League or or above that. I think it's more a case that Vinicius did incredibly well after he got going a little bit to replace him adequately. I think Mitrovic himself is the one that's probably missed out more rather than Fulham. That's an interesting take. League-wise, as we mentioned, um, I don't think league-wise he would have made much of a difference, but if he doesn't get that whole situation at Old Trafford doesn't transpire, or even if they do get the penalty... And he doesn't get sent off. If we manage to, you know, if we manage to win that game, Lex, for example, and I think it, if he didn't get suspended, a good point to make is obviously I know he wasn't on a good run of form, but that was obviously his first goal in like two months. And I think he may would have kicked on from there. But I said Premier League results, I don't think would have changed. But I think if that whole situation didn't transpire, we might have actually got got the result at Old Trafford and obviously got to the semi final against Brighton. And who knows what, what would have happened there? Obviously, with our record against Brighton, you'd back us to hopefully beat him at Wembley. But I think so. I think the cup run might have been different. But as I said, I don't think the league form would have really changed too much. We might have got an extra point or two, but yeah, I don't think it means we would. Oh, it's that's what's caused us to not push for Europe. I think there was a few results before that, and with the run of fixtures we had, you know, playing Liverpool, playing Man City, playing Aston Villa, all in, all all in that run. So yeah, for me, league form wouldn't have changed, but we might have actually made it uh, to Wembley. I think there's there's. A couple of games that right at the very start, it's actually the first two after that I think would have gone differently. Just Bournemouth away, I think we would have made a better fist of that. But the big one, I think West Ham at home, that that one nil loss, we were rubbish. I just and we feel like we're always bad scoring. against West Ham. We are, we are. But I feel like the way that tra- that game transpired, I think if we have Mitro in there, we get something out of that game. But ultimately, yeah, probably not looking at more than, what, three points, four points difference potentially. And so we're still we're still out of it. And also, I think it's to be said, as fun as it would have been, it probably we could benefit from not having Europe next season because we already have a job of fleshing out this squad and providing depth just to get through a thirty-eight game Premier League season. And you know, we've scraped by. We've everyone knows we've not got enough depth, and actually, to then have to strengthen as much as to add on European football to that, I think would have been a real struggle. And so I don't think it would have been a good thing for us. You see, like what it does to West Ham, and they they have they've pumped a lot more money in in recent years than we have into their squad, and they've really. I still struggled say with West Ham season over ours. So and I've been having this argument with different different fans. I still take West Ham season over ours because, like, if it's hard to disagree. The, the, like I know we finished tenth and it's been amazing, but. The I've been looking where they've gone 
and they have gone for some belters. <laughs> Larnaca looked so good. I iron up away for, your, for, for the knockout game. Then obviously they had to go to Ghent, which is it's all right. But then to have your semi-final in Amsterdam and a final in Prague, I mean... <laughs> it's just the stag do world tour, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Napa, missing is like, Napa, Prague and Amsterdam. <laughs> like, the only, like... like Budapest is the only city missing. Yeah, and yeah. It would it have it it comp- completed the triumvirate. Um, the no, I said, I, 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 the season has been like Europe would have been great, and I said I would have always preferred Conference League over Europa League because I think yeah. if you look at the teams West Ham have played in their Conference League run, you'd probably back us to beat near enough most of them. Obviously, I think they did get lucky with Villarreal and Lazio getting knocked out, but yeah, I, I said I still probably take West Ham season over. I know they, they've been flirting with relegation, but to have the run they've had in Europe, has, and we know what, what that's like. Um, I don't think you'd swap. 10th place now for what happened in 2010 so I know it's a different competition but we still it still came through a 7th place finish is what theirs came through but yeah and no, I think Europe next season although it would have been great it would have we're not we're still only in our we're only being our second season in the Premier League so we can build on this and finish in the top 10 again if we're lucky or even even in, or even just sort of solidly mid-table I think that's a good place to build on and a good sort of basis to sort of become what we were sort of in the mid 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 2000s really not mm, mm. another question for James Barron listening slash watching from Australia it often seems that the Premier League media treat Fulham as an afterthought why James 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 you're only just uh, only just coming on to this realisation are you my friends yeah it's always been the case even like we're like last, I mean understandably we were last on match today yesterday is a lot more there are bigger headlines that happened in yesterday's football. I don't think anyone's disputing that. But by and large, we, we do just slip under the radar and we have done all well, season. I've, I'm I've, all I've, for I've, it, personally. I've, no, no, no. I don't, I, it doesn't bother me in the slightest. And I, I find it weird when people moan about it. Because usually, because we've been so solid all season, we're not going to be the storyline behind our win, if that makes sense. So if we beat, let's say, a Nottingham Forest or a Southampton, they're going to be looking at, them going down as opposed to a mid-table team getting the three points. Yes, you can argue we don't really get the coverage, but then when we do get the coverage, people moan <laughs> about the the pundits not knowing what they're talking about or trying to sell our best players. So by going under the radar and not getting mentioned at all, I think that's the best way for it. Get your punditry on Fulhamish. You don't need it on Match of a Day. <laughs> I, I think when you watch, the only, the only benefit we might get is that genuinely looking at some of the some of the um, commentary abroad about Fulham is people are saying what's a Fulham like oh well, Fulham are in the Premier League oh I didn't even know because they don't even mention us now if you're a player looking at coming over to, to the Premier League and some players might genuinely be like what's Fulham but like, I'm, I'm not going to go there I'm not even going to consider that as an option from a transfer perspective I think that's where it just plays out of our hands but I agree with Dom that if we're consistently first or well, not first on match of the day but regularly on there everyone's saying how great Jao Polina is how great Mitrovic is all of these players you probably get a few more clubs not that they just follow match of the day. I don't think they're all that lazy. I think Chelsea are. Um, but I think if, they, if they're just going to watch this for their transfers, they might have been looking at a few more Fulham players from the season and saying, Do you know what? Harrison Reed's been absolutely solid. I, I should absolutely take him at a top six but club. I also think with us, I think, you know, the, some of the players we've had in, in our Premier League history, and I think our location helps. So, so we've taken the three promoter teams, Burnley, Sheffield United, then one of Luton or Coventry, then the other, then Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest staying up as well. Just We've taken those sort of five teams. Like the only team out of that, I can see signing a player that if we were both in the market for that and we, they'd get him on Russ's, maybe Nottingham Forest. 
But like, just with with our location, I think we got such a better chance of signing better players. Like, let's say, like, I don't think Palini would have gone to Bournemouth. Let's say, mm. um, <clears throat> potentially, potentially for us, just because of their, their history. But I think being in London and being where we are just helped us so much in the transfer market. And but yeah, I think it's a good thing not not to have a deep dive into why we're so good. Because mm. I mean, then then you you have players not just looking at people will look at Mitrovic and Palina, but you know you, you have people looking at Pereira. You know, I'm everyone talks about William, but that's only because of his time at Chelsea and Arsenal. There's so many been so you know look at Reem, Tossin, Diop, Tete. No one's talking about Tete. Whereas if they actually watch Fulham week in week out, they realise he's one of our best players. Same with Leno. Like well, I was having this argument in the office yesterday. If you if you if, you, if I'm ranking Ramsdale, Leno, and Martinez, Ramsdale was not in the top two. Like I think mm. Leno and Martinez are both better goalkeepers than Ramsdale. Ramsdale's better of his feet. Yeah, well done. But, you know, you're a goalkeeper. You know, you've got to try to stop the ball getting in the back of your net. That's usually the uh, the first shout. And I'm, I'm I'm happy that the calls from speaking is number one are finally petering out, considering his only game for England, we lost 4-0. So, uh... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, James, to answer your question, uh, that's why Fulham <laughs> don't get that much coverage on TV. Uh, Fulham Lilies asks, can you think of any other Fulham player who's reached cult status as quickly as Jao Paulinha? I would argue Mitrovic is the is the only one. I, I like in recent Hangeland. Hangeland was very ha- very I fast. Would, I, would, I would say Hangeland based upon the fact that he came in in that January and everyone was at show what who this massive tall guy saw him getting in. in introduced I think it's half time at a game against Villa and he just came on everyone was just thinking hmm maybe this might actually help our defence and then by the end of that that was what four months in he was already kind of reaching cult status for Fulham you're right with Mitrovic other than that you've got George Best I guess like he had a really quick introduction but that's a, a long long time ago other than that you've not really got that many that have reached it that quickly uh, Moussa Dembele's first season for us, I don't know. People still had questions around, was he going to be that good? Yeah, I don't think he really, he really reached sort of cult status until he got moved into that deeper midfield role. Because exactly. when he first signed him, he was still playing sort of number the 10, win. second striker, yeah, out wide. So, yeah, I think you look at Polina, you can you can men- you can can obviously mention Mitrovic because he, he's, so once he scored against Bristol City, it was just non-stop goals from there. Um, but yeah, in recent times, definitely. I mean, I think... One player for me, but but it sort of went sour late. It was Jimmy Bullard when he sort of first came in, scored that free kicker at home to Sheffield United, then obviously picked up that injury um, at Newcastle, and then it sort of went down, went downhill from there. And obviously he moved to Hull, which sort of was ruined his career basically. Um, but yeah, I think in recent times, I think Mitrovic is anyone you can really point to. Hanglin, yeah, but I don't think he reached cult status as soon as Jao Polina did in his first sort of few months. I think Hanglin really reached cult status probably in. In the, in the following season, um, although he was one of our best players in that second six months, but yeah, I think yeah, Mitrovic is anyone like AF said that comes to my mind. Potential one that that was first season was exceptional and received so many plaudits, and then second season was wank. Sacharita, his first season, I thought he was he was he received a lot of love and he was very good. At right yeah, back, and then in the second season, everyone was awful. But he was he was in like team of the season shouts that year from memory. Um, so I think he he deserves a nod. But I think the way that that second season went, I think his sort of his myth and legend has just dissipated because he didn't do anything after that. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. So I, I think Mitchell is probably the uh, yeah the, the closest one. Um, on this note, talking about uh, our beloved Jao, uh, John Harkensal asks: Considering Paulini's gesture at the end of the game, is it a done deal that he's leaving? 
Um, I don't know. I think he's a sort of personally. I the way he was tapping the badge and the, and I think he's just quite a. He's very appreciative of the love that the fans give him, and I think I'm hoping and praying that it was just him thanking the fans for for how much they how much love that they've given him throughout the course of the season. But it was a prolonged sort of clap, and it's twice, uh, twice. twice. I mean, what do you, what do you lads reckon? I think yeah. everyone's going way too Cluedo on everything that Jalpalini <laughs> posts or does. Like, Quite maybe that's just his way of saying thanks for the great season. I'll see you in August. I just, I, I think if we are, if anyone does go this summer, it is most likely going to be him. But I think what we've achieved with him this season, there's no reason. Like the only way he's going is is if a Champions League club comes in. I don't think he goes to Liverpool personally. Like. I think if Liverpool qualify for the Champions League, I think he does. I think, you know, he and he needs to be no, he needs to be guaranteed that he's going to be playing football because with especially with the Euros come Euros coming up at the end of next season. Um and he's just weirdly enough, William Carvalho was starting over over him in the World in the World Cup. But I think he's definitely going to be looking to be a starting midfielder of Portugal in Euro twenty twenty four, obviously if they assume they'll qualify. Um so I think I can only see him going to a Champions League team. To be honest, I can actually, I can actually see him going abroad as opposed to a team in the Premier League. I think if he went to let's say a Bayern Munich, for example, I don't think too many Fulham fans would begrudge him. But if he ended up going to like a Tottenham or a Liverpool, then I think a lot of Fulham fans would be like, oh, okay, oh, Tottenham would really be I horrible think, if he went yeah. to Tottenham. That um, would, and to be honest, to, 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 to Spurs need another holding midfielder. They can fuck off. Like <laughs> they've only got holding midfielders. <laughs> what Spurs need is James Madison or yeah. something like that. Um, but I don't want to get on Spurs because I think I could do a three-hour podcast about what's what's wrong with that football club. Um, but yeah, I think I don't think I think Japlina will stay. I think he's got at least one more. I think he's got one more season with us if we finish tenth again. And we and but if he can help us push for Europe again next season, then I think he it'll be great to keep him. And if he doesn't, then I'll. I'll wish him happily to go next season. I mean, remember, he signed a long-term deal last summer. He's not going to be going for a s- small amount of money. I think, I can't see him going for anything less than 50. I think 50 is probably the bare minimum that a club would sell him for. So I think, yeah, he clubs may come in for him, but I think he knows how much he's loved by the fans. I think he's shown he's appreciated that. Especially, I mean, if you want any example, I mean, getting your fifth yellow card by jumping in the crowd after scoring like the 65th minute or whatever it was. And to, I mean, I think he did very well to get uh, his fifth suspension before the September international break. I think that's got to be applauded. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, I don't see him going. I think he's going to stay for at least one more season. Yeah, we're in a very strong position no matter what happens. Obviously, we will hope that he stays. He's so important to our team that it's going to be big, big, big money if it does happen, which we can reinvest. When was the last time we had that? Like, when was the last time we had a player that was a genuine asset that we were going to get full value for? Because it feels like whenever we've got an, an asset, they always seem to get snapped up in the last year, of, either the last year of the contract or the younger players at the end of their contract. Whereas actually we're sat here now with a Premier League footballer. So we're, we're, we've stayed up. He's got five years left in his contract and he's absolute gravy. Like It's been a long time, I think, since since we've had a player of like full value. I'd argue Musa Dembele, but yeah. at the same time, when he left it, if that's full value and it's 15 million quid, like that's not his full value. I think they got an absolute steal in that deal. I know it was a, uh, way before uh, the inflation rates did what they've done. But at the same time, like I, I, I actually don't think that Fulham signed that many players that are in their prime. We actually have quite a good track record at signing players that are maybe a little bit past it 
but we can turn them into good players or they've just not succeeded somewhere else. So I think it's it's exciting to have Jao Paulino. It's, that's why we're all so nervous about it because we're in uncharted territory. We've not really seen Fulham have a player that everybody is after who realistically might actually be in excess of £50 million. We're not thinking about the money, though, but we're actually genuinely thinking, like, let's try and keep this player in his prime and we can attract more players like him. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's a strong position to be in, no matter which way you look at it. And, yeah, pray that he stays. On this note, Vincent asks, which players do we think said we said goodbye to yesterday? He says he feels Rodak and Cambano are going. James likely won't return, I imagine. Any others we think we won't see at the Cottage in a Fulham shirt? It's quite a sad uh, note to to end on, but any anyone else, just, um, I, in addition I, to I, who Vincent mentioned, I can't bear the thought of Neeskins not getting a new. I, I don't. I, there's no risk in it unless it's him who wants to leave and play more regular football. Like just give him a like sign him as the the club gardener, do something, but just like keep him here because we love him, the players love him, the coaches love him. Like Marco Silva really seems to. Like just as a person and a footballer, really warm to, to knee skins. So, I'd love to see him stay. Um, I think, yeah, I think we've touched on the winger situation. I think Manuel Solomon. I think I, I can't see him in a Fulham shirt next year. Dan James, we probably won't see back. I don't know what else you guys. Thanks, Everton away and enjoy yeah. your time back at Leeds. Yeah, we can. Uh, we can definitely end the podcast on a positive note. Uh, well, I mean, depending on which side of the roof you're from. Um, Shane Duffy's not going to be here next season. Laven Kurzawa either. Who I, every time, every well, week, didn't every we actually, week, didn't we end up forget. signing Duffy on a permanent deal in the January? Probably for. I think we did, didn't we? We did. Was that for a whole months. year though? Six months. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah, that's what I mean. Well, so I, 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 I'm with AF. I hope I never see that man in a Fulham shirt again. So he can <laughs> do whatever he wants as long as it's not related to Fulham Football Club, and I'm happy to never see Shane Duffy ever again in my lifetime. <laughs> I don't feel that strongly about Shane Duffy. No, 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 no. I, brought this, I brought this up, but I feel like I've unearthed Don, Don Betts' secret hate oh, more, than, I hate Anthony Rob- more so, than Anthony he's Robinson. So, he's, he's so bad at football. He's there for the vibes and the vibes only. We would all yeah, every club just, needs just a like Dan James. Just like Dan James. Yeah, we've we'll, got a vibe we for thank, it. doesn't need to be Shane Duffy. We can thank Shane Duffy for being up mate. <laughs> anyway on that note let's uh let's wrap up this this podcast sammy will be back with the thursday club on thursday but before we go af would you like to name the podcast please what was your favorite three-word review just because again i i can't piss off my third granddad that much i'm gonna go with top 10 crystallized from john brooker nice excellent um yeah that would be it for today's podcast thank you very much for listening and uh thank you dan cook for joining me oh, i love that coops thank you very much AF, pleasure as always. Thanks, mate. And cheers, Don Bess. No worries, mate. <laughs> we'll see you on Thursday. You white. You white.